This episode of Paranormal Heart is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you're looking for a fine piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com, as well as on Facebook, where she periodically gives away pieces of pottery. Again, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast, where you can find us on the second and last Sunday of every month on Podbean as well as YouTube. You can also find us on SparkRadioNet.Work, New Lantern Media, iHeartRadio, and any place you find fine podcasts. Folks, here in the Ottawa Valley, the weather has been, well, interesting. Just a few days ago, we had our first snowstorm of the season. It was cold, and then the temperature shifted. Today, as I record this, November 2nd, 2020, it's currently 20 degrees Celsius, which is about 68 Fahrenheit. Let me tell you, that is warm for this time of year in Canada. But that'll only last a few more days. Then the temperature's going to drop again, and the snow will start falling, and I'm sure this time it will stay. This episode's shout-out goes to you amazing listeners in Mexico. As always, I appreciate your support, and thank you so much for listening. My next guests are returning guests from Beast, If You Ain't Got Beast, You Ain't Got Squatch, Mark, and Larry. They recently had a meet and greet at Land Between the Lakes, which is also called LBL, and they're here to discuss some pretty interesting finds they had during that weekend. So I introduce to you Mark Newbill and Larry Porch. Hello, Larry and Mark. Welcome back again to Paranormal Heart. Well, we are absolutely thrilled to be back with you, Kat. Thanks for having us. It's always a good time. I enjoy talking to you. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I'm so glad that uh, Cam, Mr. Cameron Buckner had uh, suggested you guys uh, a while back when I had you on the first time. And uh, yeah, we've kind of become friends ever since. So you guys are amazing. So you guys had a real interesting... Um, I don't know if I want to call it an event lately, uh, just recently, that I wanted to talk about. So uh, it was your meet and greet, and uh, you got some pretty good uh, castings, and uh, you sent me some pretty cool photos and a little video and everything, and it uh, sounds like it, it was a really good time. So uh, the mic is yours. Tell us all about your meet and greet. It, it was a good meet and greet. Uh, we had a prelude before the meet and greet ever got started we were going to have this what six months ago probably and covid hit and shut down all the campgrounds around and we scrambled around trying to figure it out again got it rescheduled for a group campground 
And once again, that got canceled and closed. So we had to reassess the situation and find a public campground that was open and just go there as a group. So was it at LBL? It was. Okay. It was at LBL. Nice. So how many people showed up? I know Mark told me before the show, but that wasn't record that part was not recorded, so <laughs> <laughs> there was I would say thirty something people that was there. Uh, I don't know the exact count, but it was it was thirty something. That's a good turnout. Yeah, they came from all over. We had a gentleman from Kansas City, North Carolina, a lady from Florida. Two brothers from Nebraska, my girlfriend from Texas. They came from everywhere. That's amazing. I know in uh, the chat room, whenever you have your show on Thursdays and uh, the Facebook group, you have amazing people. It's, it's a nice family. Everyone is so respectful. I tell you, it's almost kind of call it the dog pound because it's it's so funny i really can't pay attention to the chat room while it's going on but every now and then i will look at it and those folks are in their own world in there it's it's almost like there's two different shows going on at the same time yep that's that sure absolute is. truth we'll be talking about something on the show and they'll have a whole different subject line going in the chat <laughs> Sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it's on on board with what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and everyone's so welcoming. It's really, really nice. So, how long did the meet and greet last? Was it like an entire weekend? Or it was. It uh, started Friday, and then we packed out of there Sunday. Okay. Yeah. And you had nice weather. I hope. We, uh, when I got there, it, I got there a day early and it was raining and, but after, but after the night that morning, the rain pretty much stopped and it was really, really nice weather from there on out. Yeah. That night I'd met Mark and Shelly at a pizza place uptown. <laughs> And it started raining while we were there. We went to the campground. They got set up. I had to come home to get Debbie. But, man, I think it's a remnant of a hurricane, but I had a kayak on top of my Jeep, and I was getting blown all over oh. the road going home. <laughs> wow. <laughs> At least you it made was, it. You could have, you could have flown home. <laughs> so tell us... Uh, what did you do? Um, I know you got some casting, so tell us about uh, some of the evidence that you found. Well, Shelly, when it was just me, Larry, and Shelly there, um, I was finishing setting up our camps, and Shelly likes looking for rocks and shells. And so she walked down... Uh, to where the water would have been at. It's, it was at where it was called Winter Pool, where they dropped the water level. And so she was just out there on the gravel bar that's normally underwater. 
and looking for rocks and shells and she found a trackway out there and there wasn't very large footprints but you sat there and you know what went through her head was what mother would let their child out there in this mud flat with broken glass and fishing hooks and everything like that because it, it was really sunk down really deep and she came back and it she was really hesitant in telling me and larry and and then finally we were sitting around eating again and <laughs> uh and shelly goes there's a trackway down there in that mud flat leading to the water and Larry dropped his head. I cleared my throat <laughs> because you always hear about these people that put on these events and, you know, there's howls and, you know, all this activity. And then she goes out and finds a trackway and we thought, oh, no. This, you know, this community will tear you to pieces. <laughs> and so that was really the last thing that we wanted to hear. What, you know, was her finding a trackway. And that was the first one she found. Yeah. And, uh, that was the smaller one? When she come to me, well, when she told Mark and I, and she said that they wasn't large, they were small, I just shook my head and I'm like, I mean, if it's absolutely 100% a juvenile Bigfoot or whatever, I said, nobody's going to buy it. We're on the edge of a lake, and everybody during the summer runs around here barefooted. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even go look at them the first day, the second day. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, we'll progress into the story, but from there... Uh, Go ahead, Mark, from there. Well, Patrick Noble was the first one to show up. And he, him and Shelly were talking, and, and they both shared and looking for rocks and shells. And so Shelly said, well, let's let's walk around where the, the creek comes into the lake. And so they walked around there and then they went on around on the other side of the bay. And Patrick was a little higher up on the gravel bar, up closer to the wood line. And Shelly stayed closer to where the gravel bar met the mud flat. And that's where she found all these multiple trackways. And they were big prints, little prints, uh, the timestamp on the prints were different. Uh, some of them were, you know, could have been a month or older. Um, and some of them looked like they were done that night. They, they were so fresh and there was mussels, shells that, that had been broken open and they were just laying around everywhere and it was almost like whatever this was was coming down 
towards the water line and collecting mussels and standing in that mud. So she comes back <laughs> and she tells us and then people start arriving and Patrick, as people are arriving, putting up their tents and things, he was like, hey, did y'all hear about the Prince? And <laughs> me and Larry would just drop our heads because here we go. They're going to they're gonna eat our lunch that we had this outing. And then all of a sudden, we have multiple trackways out there. But so me and Larry finally went and looked at them. And they were pretty amazing, wasn't they, Larry? Yeah. I, as bad as I, as reluctant as I was to go look. When they said they had big ones with the little ones, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go look at this. And I looked at it and my gut instinct was these are too perfect to be real because they were so well in the ground and everything and i was talking to mark about it and i'm like look i'm not sure about this because at that point we only saw one they found other tracks at well there may have been two at that point but they found other tracks when the wind kicked up and some of the leaves blew off the edge of the bank but Patrick heard me talking to Mark about it, and he was like, what do you mean? And he thought I was saying he had done something. I'm not, no, Patrick, I know you didn't do nothing. I know nobody here did anything. I'm just saying they're either real or somebody is punking us. They come out here and did this. I don't know which it is, <laughs> but like Mark and I have talked and Debbie and Shelly and everybody, when you find evidence that pristine, that good, whether it's real or not real, if you don't do due diligence and look at it and document it, then what's the point of you being out there? I mean, if the community yeah. has got you beat down enough, you're not going to present what you find, there's no need to go out anymore. We were really fortunate with all the people that came. And Larry and I are both humble enough that we rely on other people's talents. And so we had uh, a feller there named Bama Murdoch, and he, he has worked crime scenes for almost 25 years. Did he have moose with him? <laughs> he did. did. He did. <laughs> the famous moose. And so um, I really feel fortunate that Bama is one of our team members. So I pulled Bama aside and I said, I would like to ask a favor of you. And I would like for you to treat this as a crime scene and be in charge of it because I know that you're able to put on those glasses and understand what you are seeing, where a novice like me and Larry aren't. We just see what's mm -hmm. left there. Right. And so with Very with fortunate that, to have someone with that background, yeah. And... There was a, uh, we, we are fortunate that 
we have a friend named Doug Schotter, and he has been in this field since the early 70s and was uh, a colleague of Dr. Krantz, one of the uh, horsemen, what they called the original horsemen. And he's also friends with Dr. Meldrum, who is a uh, foot specialist. I, I don't know if that's the right word to call him, Larry, but he's, he's a doctor. And uh, so we really leaned on Doug's expertise and knowledge to find out the correct protocols to go about and you know the right when we look at something to be asking us ourselves the right questions so it we were really fortunate to have these people and and we utilized them yeah definitely doug called that night i initially went live as we were going to cast i guess and Doug saw the prints live and everything, and he was excited about it. And he called, and he was telling us, you know, that we may be able to collect eDNA from under the prints and how really? to do the cast, what measurements to take, and everything. Because Mark and I and Shelly and Debbie, we don't go around with casting material. I mean, I know Mark and I have definitely seen tracks out in the middle of the mountainous areas and stuff never this good i'll admit that but we'll at least see the toes in the front of the ball of the foot or maybe the heel to the ball of the foot or any of that but we we're just not ones to go around and cast prints for you know any particular reason we just we're looking for what's making the tracks <laughs> we're not yeah. looking yeah. for a track so the, the track just tells you that they have been there. So you're on the right track anyway. But we're not real good at casting or any of that. And I hope these casts turned out well. I don't know. I know Mark said he's unearthed one, and it didn't look that good. But <laughs> I don't know. We've not, to my knowledge removed any of the rest of them from the dirt because we took extra dirt bama was real meticulous about not trying to break the cast because some of them were thin we did have one that broke and it wasn't his fault it was just a thin cast mm -hmm. but we tried to do everything doug gave us instructions on we documented it Jerry Pajerski was writing everything down on a paper plate. <laughs> we've still got the paper That's plate. Awesome. And we've got the the soil samples in manila envelopes because they claim that the plastic degrades DNA. So luckily somebody had those. Hmm. And we tried to do everything as well as we could, not having any background in what we were doing. <laughs> One reason that Larry and I picked this spot when all of these other campgrounds were closed is because Larry and I have camped there before and had what we believe was possible Bigfoot activity. And uh, so 
when this campground they had left this one open it was like a primitive campground and so and that's why we chose it because but we we were absolutely not expecting for Shelly to find these tracks. Actually, me and Larry could yeah. just wring her neck for it. <laughs> but if she wouldn't have, if she wouldn't have found them, then somebody else would have. Yeah. Because on the oh. other side of the bay, there was. I mean, it was just yeah. multiple trackways. Hmm. Or they'd have washed away, and nobody would have ever seen them. I yeah. mean, but uh, well, I was gonna say the. The campground, for some reason, I know we got a guy up there this weekend that's looking around. He said the campground is full this weekend. But while we were there, there was just an older couple in a van there. That was the only other campers in that <coughs> campground for some reason. I guess it's because the Halloween weekend that everybody was busy, which turned out to our advantage because no kidding. we would rather... We would rather not have a lot of people around, so that was a good thing. Now, Mark, what did you mean by primitive campground? Do you mean it wasn't groomed like a lot of campsites are? A lot of campgrounds have got, you know, bathrooms and yep. showers. Okay. And yep. This had a little bathroom, like a Johnny on the spot type mm -hmm. thing there. But it's pretty much, you know, there's no electricity. There's no running water. That would probably have been a, a much better chance of uh, having some kind of an encounter or finding prints as opposed to having a campsite with power and everything. Because I'm sure that there's not a lot of well wildlife or anything like that that would go near those those campsites. So that was probably a really good call going to a site like that. Well, you'd be surprised at how much activity does go around those campgrounds. People just don't notice things. The groomed ones, you mean, or the the other one? I, both. Oh, really? Hmm. Really. Most people that are daytime campers will go out and hike. They'll go swimming. They'll go boating, fishing, whatever. Mm -hmm. They wear themselves out during the day, and then when it gets dark, they go to bed, and they're out and don't hear anything. Yep. And, and a lot of things happen after the sun goes down. Never thought of that. Yeah. Hmm. So how big is LBL really? And for those of you listeners who don't know what LBL is, Land Between the Lakes? It's what, <clears throat> I'm, not sh I'm not sure how many acres it is, I've done forgot, but I do know that there is over 2,000 miles of shoreline. Wow. And it has two rivers that run on both sides of it. One's the Tennessee River, the other's the Cumberland River. And this, the land that's in between the lakes, it's kind of like a peninsula okay. mm -hmm. out there in between these two rivers. From what I understand, that's a hot spot for activity. Um, I believe there's other, is, is there other paranormal activity at LBL, like not just Bigfoot? Well, there's claims of Dogman, and there are claims of ghosts in LVL. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an old Indian war ground that two tribes of Native Americans fought over it for years, and then of course the white man come in and 
run them out. Then it was a hotbed for the Civil War. So there's all kinds of history there at Land Between the Lakes. It was really a a choke point for the Civil War on the Battle of Both Rivers because Mm -hmm. they were both close together. If they got control of that during the Civil War, then they could stop the advancement of northern troops or southern troops. So... Mm -hmm. And there's a Larry and I have ran into a lot of old 18th century and 19th century graveyards. I believe there's 226 graveyards, and it's like wow. you will be walking in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, just come up on an old graveyard or an old yeah. homestead, you know, from back in the 1800s. And uh, so it's there's a lot of history with it. Mm-hmm. Do you know if uh, paranormal investigators go there as well? With all the cemeteries that you found, I'm sure they do. I know in the past there has been some type of cult activity. There was a cult there back a couple of decades ago called a vampire cult that they actually. Oh killed some people and they do paranormal uh, investigations around what they call the vampire house or something like that. It's There's very few houses or structures left at LVL mm-hmm. and, and that's one. And there's another called Hotel California that was um, a riverboat captain. Once he retired, back before the government seized all the land, he built a house there because he would see it as he went up the Cumberland River and loved the area and bought that place and built the house. And there's been weird activity around both these places, supposedly because of satanic rituals, that type of stuff. And Hmm. that's about all I know about that. (laughs) It's a lot more than I knew. Have you guys ever encountered what you might think would be dogmen, or is it strictly Bigfoot? Uh, I have to say strictly Bigfoot. We have probably, we set out a lot of audio recorders and drop them off, come back a week later and pick them up, and we have reviewed Right now, we're probably over 10,000 hours of listening second by second. And I have an animal library where every animal has their own frequency signature. So I can identify any animal that may make some type of vocalization. And there's only one vocalization that we have captured that I cannot identify. And we believe that that is Bigfoot doing it. We will never say a Bigfoot did it because we did not with our own eyes witness the Bigfoot doing it. But there is an animal frequency signature out there that science does not recognize. That's interesting. Um, I know I've asked you this before, but I have, uh, my husband wanted me to ask you this question. (laughs) Um, so are you guys, do you think you'd have to have an actual Bigfoot body brought in and 
actually analyze? Like, are you, or do you think there's other ways that we could actually prove that Bigfoot actually exists? Well, since I'm the most skeptical one of the group, <laughs> I'm going to say, in my opinion, probably to convince the masses, you're going to have to have a Bigfoot body. Yep. I'm not going to go out and try to kill one. That's not my goal. I don't even think that way but there are some groups that do and I don't condone it or condemn it it's a necessary evil to prove it unfortunately the probably the best thing that would happen is a logging truck hit one or something like that where nobody's at fault is an accident and it be proven that way and you hear all kinds of stories of hunters shooting them you hear of them getting hit by vehicles and all kinds of stories and some of them the government confiscates the deceased body i, I don't know but i i do believe to convince the population that they're real that you're going to have to provide a body at some point yeah agreed it's, it's sad that uh because of technology now uh you show photos or videos and everybody in his dog says you know that's photoshop that's not real so, um, yep. yeah, it's it's sad to say that I, I have to agree with that. Or they have uh, a live one in a zoo if they could potentially uh, have a, a cage strong enough for it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to put say, one in. <laughs> the, the Bigfoot community has destroyed itself. It don't The reliability and the truthfulness of it is destroyed daily by people making accusations out of envy, jealousy, stupidity, <laughs> whatever. I mean, it is rampant. You got CGI. You got a bunch of stuff that video can be faked. You got Photoshop. Photos can be faked. You got people running around with the wooden cast that can be faked. And, I mean, you can manipulate anything through technology today. And that's why a body is most likely going to have to be necessary because... Joe Blow that leads this group over here is not going to allow Joe Blow that leads this group over here to prove anything. They're just yeah. not going to. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it's sad. <laughs> That's it is. one thing about Larry and myself. Neither one of us is trying to prove the existence. But we do do our homework and we have had put ourselves in a place where things have happened to us. We we do a lot of primitive camping where we will hike a mile or two and eliminate the human factor and have things happen, have trees breaking around us. There was one time that I think we had five or six trees break around us. When you start having things thrown into camp and rocks being thrown uh and it's that excitement that me and larry uh get our satisfaction out of but as far as really trying to prove this creature we're we're not trying to prove it if somebody finds out that i'm interested in bigfoot and they come up and they want want to kid or jab you you know, and I'll tell them right off the bat, I will not try to convince you what's out there. 
but I can take you somewhere, and you'll probably you'll probably pee in your pants. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Or what I like, yeah. I like to call a code brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so, skeptical. I know Debbie has seen one. I have not. Mark has not. Shelley has has. She was sitting right beside me whenever she saw it. But till I see one with my eyes in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe this person misidentified what they saw or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. That's my brain. It's not that I think they're not telling the truth. It's that I want to see it for myself to know. Mm-hmm. It's a curiosity. <laughs> so far, that hasn't happened. And like Mark, you said when the trees were being thrown at you, I know bear can be pretty big, but I haven't heard of any bear that actually throw things. <laughs> well, to my knowledge, know, to, to actually throw something, uh, I would think you would have to have thumbs. Mhm. Yeah. Especially when you start having like pebbles and things mm-hmm. like that that are being thrown into your camp. Uh, and it's amazing how accurate, you know, these rocks can be hitting all around you close. And and you just sit there and think, man, if they wanted to, they could just pick up a big rock and knock your head off. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, cl- let me clarify one thing. Kat said throwing trees. We've never had a tree thrown at us. Yeah. Right. They were just pushed over. Oh, pushed over. Okay. My apologies. Yeah. I misunderstood. They were just broken. And okay. Yeah. It. So I just wanted to clear that up. Okay, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) a bear could push over a tree, I guess, if it was. uh... Yeah, but being like throwing rocks and stuff, no, no. Hmm. So the LBL, do you think that is um, a dangerous area for encounters? Would you would you uh, suggest to people if they're curious just to go check it out on their own or? We have heard people tell stories that I got out of my car to take a leak and 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 they come rushing in and I jumped back in my car and went five miles down the road and same thing happened again. Larry and I have put, when we go primitive camping, we put ourselves in a vulnerable spot. We go down in, into the hollers and and give them the high ground Mm -hmm. and we i have never felt like my life was has been threatened at lbl or anywhere else that we have been and we've been all over the country and i just um i've got my own personal opinions of what these how these creatures may do and my personal opinion is that, that they're curious about humans Mm -hmm. and so they and plus they would if let's say they are in family groups well they would want to set up a sentinel to to make sure that the humans don't get close to the family group Mm -hmm. and so but as far as being feeling like my life was in danger i have never felt that 
I got to say, LBL is one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth, rolling hills, the lakes on each side, the rivers. And there are hundreds of thousands of people that go there yearly. Mm-hmm. And you've only heard of one or two stories that are unproven by fact on paper that happened. I think LBL has a bad rap on the cryptid community for what has supposedly happened. Mm -hmm. And it it may have happened. It may have got covered up. I have no idea, but I personally have never had anything that I felt my life was in danger. And I know there's hundreds of thousands of people that go there every year, camping, hiking, fishing, hunting. And they, some of these people go in alone and they come out alone. So I would tell anybody that's thinking about going there, go there with open mind, open eyes, open ears to what's going on around you. Enjoy the beauty of LBL. No, there is possible danger. They could get bit by a rattlesnake as likely as they're going to get chased down by a dog man. So, I mean, it's just common sense. You keep your eyes and ears open to the dangers that are natural and you enjoy what the good Lord has made and presented to you. That's good advice. Uh, I um, just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was just thinking of the pictures that you sent because it does look like a beautiful spot. I hope that someday I'll be able to go down and visit because it really does look really nice. Well, I got a hammock for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I got one for your husband, so okay. come on down. <laughs> during the meet, during the meet and greet, have you ever? Uh, did you have any vocalizations or odd smells? We did. Was, Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> there were some people that did hear some things late at night, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you, I'm the wrong one to ask because when I go to sleep, that's it. I'm asleep, and uh, but it we had we had a good time. We we took these people out on night hikes and day hikes. We uh, got up a little caravan. We went out and we made calls, and we everybody that came there had a fantastic time. And our buddy Jeff Townsend fed us Saturday, and. I'm going to tell you, we ate good, did we, Larry? <laughs> As Mark Newell says, like a county sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys usually have some pretty good eats, from what I understand, when you go camping. Well, you got to. You got to keep your energy up so you can hike, you know, to the bathroom and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What else did you, were there other plans that you had, uh, activities for uh, for this uh, meet and greet for everyone? Well, we had planned on taking them to the supposed side of the beast of LBL killing, and we got so busy with the casts and all that stuff that we didn't get to take the group down there. A friend of ours, Mike McSwain, had went and placed a trail camera down at the end of the cemetery where it happened so we could 
retrieve it and look at any photos on there. And I did go get that, but the only photos were of deer. Oh. Except for that one dog, man, and I deleted uh. that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm kidding. That was a cool brown when you saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there was nothing on there but a couple of pictures of deer going up a power line. But yeah. But that that was the only activity that we had planned that we didn't get to do. But we never expected to have our two days wrapped up trying to figure out how to get castmate well we had to send two people debbie and shelly into town and they bought all the plaster paris this hardware store had they were probably wondering and, what are they doing well they should have known because i think shelly or debbie was wearing a bigfoot hat i uh. believe but they wanted there was another type of casting material they were wanting to get, but Plaster of Paris was the only one that they had, so beggars can't be choosers. you got to <laughs> take what you can get. Yeah. But we still didn't have enough to cast all the tracks that were there. Wow. So. So to all you listeners who don't, who are listening on platforms where it's only audio, if you're interested in seeing a video or photos of um, this event, uh, head on over to YouTube and look for Paranormal Heart. And um, I'm going to be putting a video together where you can see all the photos. And there's a video that Mark sent me. So you guys will be able to uh, watch some of the casting and look at some of the photos. Still there? Okay. <laughs> no, my uh, Skype did a little glitch here, and I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me. Not again. <laughs> so as a rule, you guys don't usually bring casting um, materials with you, you said earlier, correct? Yeah. You know, Larry and I, we try to put ourselves at a place to where we feel that there could be Bigfoot activity. So we studied the maps. Uh, we studied the, you know, the topographical maps. I, I really kind of uh, spend a lot of time studying old maps, you know, from the 1920s and before. There's, there's a lot of uh, things that you can find in these old maps where the old timers would name these places like Devil's Bend or Panther Screams. And so that could also be a good clue. And so, and, and we usually hike deep into the woods and who wants to carry <laughs> 10 pounds yeah. of, casting material when we could carry 10 pounds of steaks yeah. and, and, <laughs> totally and agree. The, you know and the prints just tell us if we find some prints in a creek or impressions it tells us that we have done our homework and we have put ourselves in a spot where we need to be and that that's the satisfaction that we get out of it not necessarily walking out of the woods with prints but but these prints that Shelley found they were they were just so awesome you know 
And so it was hard not to sit there and cast these prints. Yep. Yeah, folks, you really have to go to the YouTube uh, and take a look because they are a pretty impressive, uh, impressive prints. I said on our show, I was waiting on Ashton Crutcher or somebody to come out of the woods <laughs> with a camera and say, we got you. Punked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone that was there would probably uh, attack him right then and there. Yeah. No. Probably. Me first of all. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get to... Um, see if there was any tree structures or anything like that or were you just strictly you were just strictly looking at the prints there was some tree structures that were photographed i believe scott espinosa uh took some he actually went up on on the ridge that was up above it and he found uh, what I call booger trails, and it's they're they're wider and larger than your normal deer trails or animal trails, mm -hmm. and so. But it was like I said earlier, Larry and I have had activity happen there, uh, and so we really we really feel good about this spot. There, but there's so many good spots up at LBL. Larry uh, took out uh, our friend Spencer Jameson from Virginia there earlier in the week and his buddy Anthony and they they had activity that was happening to them in that area and Larry how far was that from where we had the meet and greet at? Oh it was probably 10 miles or better it was yeah. on the Lake Barkley, the Cumberland River side, the east side of LBL. And Anthony said he heard shuffling. He was camping in a hammock. I was in a tent. And he said it was a full moon or almost full moon the night we were there. I think it was full moon that weekend. So whatever's before the full moon, three-quarter, whatever. It was bright. But he saw a shadow, and he said it was a small shadow go across his tarp and he could hear something walking around but he said it went by quick and went toward the lake and was gone so i don't know we looked around trying to see if we could find prints or anything we found some leaves that were kicked up some impressions but nothing that you could say yeah that was it lbl now has got a hog problem they got wild hogs running around there so I don't know exactly what it was, but it took his breath away for a little while anyway. Yeah. I don't know that he went back to sleep very quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back of uh, one episode that you guys had, and I believe it was Bama that was uh, talking about it. You were camping and uh, thought that you, uh, Larry, went to relieve yourself in the tree by his... Uh, by his tent, and uh, the next morning yeah. he said, well, did you hear the zipper on the tent? Right. <laughs> that was the best saying. Uh, <laughs> nothing like that happened at this trip. <laughs> well, uh, are you asking if anything like that happened? Yeah. With me and Spencer it, and Anthony? 
Yeah, I don't, and I don't did. mean I don't mean relieving yourself. I mean actually thinking. That <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there I heard some kind of rock shuffling. I don't know if something had picked up rocks and were moving them back and forth in their hand. I don't know if they were stepping on them and it was hitting other rocks because the terrain behind it in some spots would have rocks and a lot of the spots didn't. Mm. So I don't know. I heard that about the same time Anthony said that he heard and saw the other thing. But me being used to that kind of thing, I rolled over and went back to sleep. And I guess Anthony <laughs> kept staying up and looking and listening. But that that's about it. I don't believe we had any vocals that were anything other than coyote whenever we were camping. Not that I can remember of. We were basically camping and fishing is what we were doing. Yeah. So... We were just trying to relax before I was going to get wore out on the weekend. And unfortunately, I wore myself out fishing pretty much because <laughs> <laughs> I was tired all weekend. Did you, um, have you ever brought thermal imaging uh, equipment with you? Like a FLIR or anything like that? So if you do hear anything at night, you just kind of pop it out and see if you can catch anything? We, we do. Larry has a thermal and Shelly has a thermal. And then we were gifted a really nice thermal. And nice. it was like um, with one of the Pajerski brothers, we decided to put together a little game plan after we had found the prints. And I set up my thermal facing towards where we had casted the prints. And Louis set up his zoom recorder which is a very good recorder and we didn't have anything come down out of the wood line to the shore and probably i don't know i would i would think any animal that has any sense of smell could could tell that there were 30 people that <laughs> were down there in that yeah. area but but you know that that's just one of one of the things that we do is we try to get together and collaborate on strategies and tactics and different things that we can do that we might capture something. Mm -hmm. That would probably I'm, be a little uh, freaky though if you had uh, like a flur in your tent with you and you heard something outside and you kind of check with with your thermal imaging and uh, you actually see something that would. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yes, fantastic, but scary at the same time. No, you can't be scared till you get home. <laughs> They'll smell the fear. <laughs> Any um, future expeditions, for lack of a better term, that you guys are planning next? Yeah, we always have something uh, a lot has to do with larry's work schedule but larry and i live close enough to each other that that we can take out and and go so we we go quite often nice yeah sometimes they're planned on the spur of the moment if i get a weekend off and we can hit somewhere in arkansas or tennessee or we may go anywhere mm-hmm and we're not afraid to go to a new spot. If we see National Forest and hear there's activity there, we'll go. 
Well, I will. Mark sometimes <laughs> won't. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys carry equipment with you just if you happen to be traveling and you, you see a spot and you think there might be activity, you just kind of check it out or... Like not, I'm, not anything I'm planned? All, I'm always, uh, anytime that I'm going somewhere where there could be possible Bigfoot activity, um, I have a walking stick that I've mounted a recorder on, and I usually keep a camcorder in my truck, and I've got it uh, tapped, uh, threaded and tapped to where I can uh, screw on my camcorder and uh, and we'll take out i'll take out and go well the beauty of technology today you're always well equipped with a smartphone you can video yeah. take pictures you can record it's not as good as a good a real recorder yeah but it, it's sufficient if that's all you got but yeah i spend a lot of weekends riding around different new areas looking for possible spots to go camp and hike and check it out so yeah normally we're prepared with some type of technology to if we come across something to capture it because you just never know you never do <laughs> well gents do you have any final sage words for us well i i just want to thank everybody that came to the meet and greet and i know there were a lot of people that wanted to come that couldn't come but I am just personally humbled by all the people that came and everybody had a good time and it, it, it hopefully we, we taught people some things that could help them out if they're interested in getting into the woods and I learned things from people that really don't get out into the woods a lot. And some of the people that do, like Scott Espinosa and Jamie, uh, Stephen Elliott, uh, I, 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 learned, I learned a lot from them. I'm always watching other people and how they conduct themselves. And so I just want to thank everybody that came and made this such a good success. I agree with what Mark said. And in the future, if we have another one, and not a single new person comes if we have the same group again i'll be perfectly happy with that now i want anybody new that wants to come to come but the people there we all got along good we all meshed good everybody had good stories listened to each other and we all bounced our ideas off each other and it was just a fantastic time i guess the only person that's not invited shelly reed because we don't need nobody else finding trackways during the meet and greet. <laughs> That's funny. Poor Shelly. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so very much, guys. I really appreciate this. I always love having you on. Well, we love you, Kat, and we thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you. We'll chat soon.
Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 